Hi, I'm Eileen Mogus. I'm a coach, facilitator, and public speaker. And I'm Daphne Tsanko Kasambala, former banker, entrepreneur, and mentor. We're longtime friends and African women in the diaspora, talking to women like us about the things that matter to us. And this is Sofully Podcast. Hello, friends and family, and welcome to the first ever episode of Soulfully Podcast. Woohoo! We are your hosts. I am Eileen Mogus. And I am Daphne Tsanko Kasambala. Eileen and I have been friends for 30 years. And we talk to each other a lot. We talk about a lot of things. Uh, So to be honest, we think our conversations are that good. We wanted to take them to a wider community. Let's hope you feel the same way. (laughs) Let's hope you do. While there are many, many podcasts and resources out there about the things that matter to us, there just aren't that many that deal with things Mm. from our perspective as African women in the diaspora. Yeah. And that's the thing, isn't it? Both of us were born and raised in Africa and we both lived uh, cross-culturally. And in that, it can often feel as though we are alone. We don't quite fit in anywhere. It's that feeling, isn't it? When you're, when you're from a different country and you're in a different culture, you don't quite fit in anywhere. The new culture you live in is alien. And when you go home, you're like the alien. I mean, definitely you... You have recently, after living in the UK for, what, 20-some years, Mm -hmm. you've recently moved back to the continent. I've moved back to the continent, and even though I've not moved back to the country where I was raised, I'm equally uncomfortable anywhere I am, even when I do go home to my home country of Malawi. I'm equally uncomfortable there as I am in the place where I spent more of my life in the UK. So yeah, we, we are, and you know, there's some, some, perhaps some strength in that level of discomfort because you see things from a very, very unique perspective. Yeah. Yeah. I actually think that is so true. I think that, you know, it, it, it does give you a really wide um, breadth of experience and perspective and, wisdom multicultural wisdom and understanding and you know what's really interesting is um while we it does feel uncomfortable and you can feel alien in it um and not always know where you fit or belong at the same time i kind of think you fit and belong everywhere and what's there's this 2011 estimate from the world bank and it says that 140 million people from the african diaspora live in the western hemisphere that's mind-boggling. That is mind-boggling, and of course, we're not just—we're not talking about migration um, in the past. You know, like um, chosen migration. We're also looking at intercontinental slavery and how um, mm. you know people were moved against their will across the mm-hmm. world. But the reality is, 140 million people of African origin live in the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, and you know, while we're not. African people, we're not a monolith. We know this. We know Africa is not a country. And then we've got several, we've got multiple generations. We've got multiple generations of people who have remained on the continent and moved away from the continent. I still feel like there are conversations, very unique conversations that we have around our dinner tables about how we fit in 
in this world, in this yeah. global world that we're in. And these, especially from the perspective of women, you know, there's certain experiences that are so unique to us um, that I think that we could be, we could be exploring more and yeah. sharing more with the community around us. Yeah, yeah, I think you're so right. And I think, especially at our age, I think when you're at a certain point, there are a lot of incredible, like you said earlier, um, Daphne, there, there are so many good podcasts that deal with issues. And I think that there's so many good podcasts uh, as well of younger um, women, yeah. you know, in their in their 20s and 30s who are actually addressing stuff that's relevant to them. I think this, my feel is that for those of us who are slightly older, grew up, you know, in the 70s and 80s, um, when there wasn't such a lot of, there wasn't so much information easily accessible um, as to, you know, living cross-culturally living in, in diverse cultures and all of that there's I think there's some stuff that we don't really find talked about from our perspective um and especially when you know we, both of us have had the experience of up, being uprooted and moving um at a time when especially you know when I think of you Daphne when you moved to the UK and we'll come to your story when you moved to the UK there weren't many faces like you doing what you were doing educated mm -hmm. in Africa coming yeah. to the Western Hemisphere. And I think that's that yeah. experience is relatively unique. Yeah, and, and it was lonely. It was lonely. You felt mm. like the only person out there. And I remember, you know, in the early days of the internet, you'd have forums and all of that. But um, it was very difficult to occupy the spaces that... I occupied, but eventually, good news is I did find my tribe and the internet has allowed that tribe to grow. You know, they're people I've never met before, but they yeah. are still part of that tribe. And we're, we're, we're talking and we're experiencing similar things and we're evolving as well. So it's not just about the African experience. It's about the female experience. It's about things that happen to our minds, bodies and souls that we want to discuss as well. Um, Ain't that the so, truth? Yeah, yeah. So, so Eileen, um, some of the topics on on that. One of the things that I love to explore, which we will be going into, is health and well-being. Mm -hmm. You know, we'll be looking at a range of topics, having conversations about mental and emotional well-being, physical wealth, spiritual well-being. Yeah, well. the whole kit and caboodle, you know, I mean, I think yeah. that's the thing, right? As women, like you said, there's so many things we want to talk about um, from, you know, from sex and marriage and relationship and raising children, all of it, um, you know, to be able to look at that through a lens that, um, and, and like you said, I think, which is so important, as African women, we're not a monolith, but there's so much we can glean from each other and learn from yeah. each other's experience. And there is something I always find there's something where a part of my um, my physical being sort of exhales when I'm having a conversation with somebody who is who understands something about the African continent, right? Who's who's basically yeah. had their feet on the soil, <laughs> you know. Mm -hmm. um, there's, like a a knowing. A, there's a knowing. There's a knowing, right? And I think it's that knowing, you know, it's that knowing when you're having that conversation that just, I hope to, I hope all these conversations as as we unpack all the different things um, that we're interested in talking about, um, 
and talk to women who are actually doing these converse, these things mm-hmm. um, from, you know, arts and fashion and all of that, um, women who are actually contributing, um, that we can have that conversation with the knowing, with that little yeah, knowing. Absolutely. And, and then learn absolutely. from each other in that. Um, yeah. But, but I- Daphne, so here's the thing. Um, mm. Aside from what we're going to be talking about, I think it's only fair that people know a little bit about us. So, I, you know, I had already said that you 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 have you've been um, knocking about, living on different continents. What tell us a little bit about who you are? I am born and raised in Malawi. Mm-hmm. Spent more than half of my life actually living outside Malawi. Now the balance is tipping the other way. I've lived in the UK and the US, and now I'm living in South Africa. Um, because of my background, yeah, I'm a Malawian, you know, through and through, but I do see myself very much as a global citizen. Um, I've had 20 years in the banking industry, both in Africa and in Europe. And I was one of the uh, the people who experienced the global financial crisis in 2008. And why that is important is it literally put me in a very interesting and challenging situation where I... I was pushed into a position of reassessing all my life's choices because I knew that, you know, my career was about to experience massive change. So I think at that point, 2008 onwards was when a time was a time when I really started exploring myself, not just from a career point of view and from a purpose point of view, but even from a health uh, and well-being, just general health and well-being uh, point of view. So I've, I've gone through that journey. I'm still going through that journey of learning. I'm still learning and growing. Hey, isn't that for the rest of our lives, right? Absolutely. Um, okay. It is. It is. When we stop, when we finish changing, we finished, uh, as Benjamin Franklin said. So I, I then made a decision to change and do a complete 180 degree and start leave banking behind. And I started my own uh, fashion retail business. And the fashion retail business purely was to put a spotlight on and create markets for African designers who were just sprouting up like like bamboos everywhere. And, and it was a fantastic experience. It allowed me to combine my passion for business and entrepreneurship with African design and my unrealized ambition of becoming a fashion designer. See, I love that. Happened. I love that. I love that, though, <laughs> because I think that is a topic that is really important, really important and interesting to sort of talk about. And maybe we'll get to an episode once where we talk about career shifts. Because, um, you know, that the, the classic, you know, many, mm-hmm. many, um, you know, many non Western cultures, it's become a doctor, mm. lawyer, engineer banker accountant Accountant, right? <laughs> and there's there's and and so a lot of us have probably prescribed i did not because i refused much to everybody's grief in my life and family i refused to go down that road i just i, I just couldn't do it. i tried law i did try law yeah very unsuccessfully mm-hmm. I, 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 <laughs> it's not that i was bad at it i just decided not to attend lectures um, that that yes, I can see why that would be a problem. I felt like it was my legal right to not do something I didn't want to do. <laughs> but anyway, so um, you know, it's that thing of you know these are these are the the career paths that a lot of us are told we should follow. Exactly, um, and, and yeah, so that that's yeah, but that story then of how you changed that, and I think there are quite Ooh. a lot of 
there are quite a lot of women um, in probably in very similar positions to yourself who've actually made a choice at some point to do things differently. Yeah. I was yeah. I was very pleasantly surprised because I was existing in a world which involved sort of trekking over to the city and dealing with d people of completely different demographic. And then when I switched yeah. into the creative space in the London scene, I met a whole different group of women. And a right. lot of them were leaving behind careers, the professional careers, um, and now dabbling in you know, all different kinds of creative pursuits. And it, it, it was validating. Um, and, um, do, and do you, can I just ask you that? Have you ever regretted it? No, I haven't. I have, See, do you mean regret, regretted switching into the creative? No, yeah, I mean, yeah. every, it's not because I've not had failure and it's not because yeah. it's, be, it's, it's been easy. It's been very, very difficult. Mm. But every failure is a lesson for me at this point, I'm still moving forward. I'm still trying. So every oh. failure is a lesson for me. Okay. So, that's, so, no so that's, that's brilliant. But here's the next question. Have you ever, do you think if you had stayed in banking, you would have regret? I think so because the, the change happened, the, my decision to change happened even before this financial crisis happened. I was already saying to myself, I need to move into I need to do something with Africa. And in fact, my path was leading me down. Still within the finance space, I was moving into microfinance. Right. So for three years before this crisis, I took French lessons because I wanted to make myself more employable to the microfinance, African microfinance institution who said, I did not know you that must about speak, you. You I must mean, speak French. French. Lessons, I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I, you yeah, must yeah. speak French. I, I was doing French evening lessons because I knew I just had this calling to say, give back, give back to Africa. So I may have, my life may have eventually led me to here where I am now, but I definitely knew that I was now making a transition towards, to be facing towards Africa. See, I think that yeah. is really, I think that's really encouraging. So as a coach, I work with many women, especially during transition. You know, that's obviously when people mm -hmm. want some sort of support. And I think one of the big fears about transition is letting go of what, what we have, what we've established, what, you know, letting go, yeah. letting go is scary, right? It's really mm -hmm. scary because you're letting go into an unknown and there are no guarantees. And so yeah. I think that knowledge that, yeah, we, we definitely, there are no guarantees. Things can go wrong. Failure can happen, but failure doesn't mean the end, right? Failure can Absolutely be, not. it's part of us, of your story. And I think, the greatest regret we could have is never trying because we don't want to fail. I think that in a, that I think that kind of is failure. <laughs> we don't yeah. try anything. Mm -hmm. We just stay. And, and by the way, I, I think that um, the, there's somebody who's recommended a book to me today called From Strength to Strength, but she was talking about how we have two phases in life. One of them is the liquid, intelli fluid intelligence where we're just collect, we've got ideas, creativity, we're just producing ideas. And then the second phase, which is the phase we're in, where our generation of ideas and creativity might have slowed down, but we now have a skill, which is to take knowledge and information and create wisdom out of it. And the mm -hmm. second thing is, there's nothing I did in my previous career that hasn't been useful to me now. I feel there like you go, we, we tend to we tend to fear that all of the effort and time and education we've invested yeah. 
will be lost and we'll never have to use it again when we sort of change career paths and we follow something completely different. And I don't think that it's true. Yeah. yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, I don't think anything's lost, right? I think mm. that that wisdom and I, you know, because you know, it it would sound like completely different things. Banking, um, well, e-commerce doesn't sound that different for me. It all sounds very confusing. But mm. for you, you know, it's like in the in the fashion business and retail space everything you've done and also because you mentor so many women as well in business yeah, and entrepreneurs you can yeah. you can do that from a place of experience and having had such a i, I think an amazing you know yeah. the amazing you're not only a you weren't only a banker on the african continent you were a banker in the western hemisphere in the city of london exactly. you got to see the the, the top mm-hmm. Top of the tops, <laughs> you know, the best of the and best. And in fact, you're right. Yeah, you're right. And in fact, like, that's one of the things I love doing the most, which is to, to, to find patterns in the fragmented, to be able to say to somebody who's struggling with an issue, I've seen this before, whether it was within a, mm. you know, a top tier multinational corporation or with another startup in a different country. I've seen yeah, it before yeah, yeah. and here's how they solved it. How about you try and solve it in this way or that way? It's 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 amazing and it gives me so much joy to do that. So, yeah, and that's pulling on yeah. all the strings of your life, isn't it? It's amazing. All your mm-hmm. But okay, so you I mean, so career wise, business wise, fab what about yeah. family wise? Who are you? Family, I uh, I'm a, I am the mother of two children. Who are in the children? They're grown ass people. <laughs> I am the mother of a young man and a young lady who are in their twenties, which makes me and my husband empty nesters. So we're in an exciting phase of our lives where we are not grounded anywhere, um, and so it just means that we can experience life in a different way. Um, right. And um, I am a little bit more about what I like to do. Um passionate about optimal living and life hacking about finding the thing that will get me to a better state of well-being um and you're also you're also a bit of a dog with a bone um just so people can know you are firstly i just want to say your kids are amazing i've known them all their lives and they're amazing kids amazing adults now um so good job good job well done um and the other thing, you are, I mean, when you talk about persistent and insistent and a dog with a bone when it gets to, when you get something in your head that you're going to do. And the reason I bring that up is because my my thing with you is you climbed Mount Kilimanjaro and you did it. Now, that in and of itself is a feat. It is an absolute feat. I am. I climbed the hill outside my house, and that is as far as I'm going. <laughs> you know, the, the stairs. The stairs. For that, now. That is as far as I'm going. I'll go upstairs. For, no, 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 no. You've tried. You've been trying to get me to collect. You've had this conversation for over 10 years. You climbed Kilimanjaro. But the thing that gets me is not that you climbed Kilimanjaro, which, as I said, is a feat, is the fact that you nearly died as you were climbing because you couldn't breathe. You had a <laughs> altitude sickness, yeah. right? I had, yes, I had. I had but did kids. that I, stop you? Did that stop you? No, but I did have my reasons. <laughs> I, I had my reasons. <laughs> yeah, the reason to stop was you're <laughs> going to die. <laughs> this is a good reason to stop. 
I don't understand. But carry on. What were your reasons? Tell us. Okay, so so the Kilimanjaro the Kilimanjaro challenge came one miserable January morning where I was assessing my life and somebody offered, I said yes. And it was also coming up to my 40th birthday. So I roped my sister into joining me. I roped her into joining me. So we yeah. trained for that whole year. I think it was only 18 months later that we did the climb. So we were each other's partners. We were each other's accountability partners throughout that whole 18 months and on the climb itself. Yeah. And from very early days, I started getting altitude sickness, which means basically your body's not coping being able to cope with the amount of the, the, the decreasing amount of oxygen as you ascend the mountain. And then on the final, on the final ascent, I, I just found myself flagging and flagging and flagging. And we had a doctor on our team who listened to my chest and said, you've got water in one of your lungs, you've got pulmonary edema. And so your option is if I give you oxygen now, ethically, you need to start descending or else you get up there, spend five minutes max, and then you have to come down immediately. And by the way, I could see the summit. I could see the mm, summit. Mm, and I could see mm. my sister right in front, not right in front of me. She was a bit ahead. And I knew that if she got word that I'd been turned around, she would feel responsible and she would come after me. So I said, okay, fine. Just keep monitoring me. Let's, let's see how far I, far I get. And so it was literally a case of one step at a time, Eileen. It was. Yeah, um, no, I know. Because now, now, just so everybody knows, your sister and I became friends before you and I became friends. Right? Mm -hmm. Your sister, to whom you were referring, is the reason you and I became friends. And we are yes. still the best friends yes. in the world, you know? So she is like my sister. And I, I, I get that. But I know it from her perspective when she saw you. Shuffling. This is on shuffling. Mm -hmm. you know? I was shuffling. She mm. she watched you shuffle and mm -hmm. she talks about that. But I'm just like at this point, I mean, there's a whole lot there to unpack, like your yeah. commitment to to her, you know, going up the, the mountain mm. and her not and her and you're knowing her well enough to know she would turn around. Mm. Um but all of that, but yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, that's quite a there's 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 and and you talk a lot about resilience, which I think people yeah. will find out as they get to know you. That is a big thing for you in a way that, like I said, I I, I quit law school. Mm. I didn't like it. I quit. I don't. I wasn't yeah. resilient. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, whereas you, you're like, no, I'm going to stick to this mm -hmm. to the death. Yes, my mother used to call me stubborn a lot. And I think that's what it is. She was like, oh my gosh, you're stubborn. You're so stubborn. And uh, so does my husband actually come to think of it. <laughs> so it's a, it's a superpower and maybe not, not so useful in other, in other cases. But I do just get, I get, it takes me a long time to get convinced to do something. And then once I'm locked in on it, I will stay locked There's no in. no one locking you. Yeah. And I stay locked in. So that's me. I, I, but I think that's, I think it is beautiful. Like you say, there's a flip side to everything, isn't it? All our, mm. all our strengths can have a flip side. Um, mm. But I think that also the beautiful thing is it, when we're looking, when you said it, you're like, your mom calls you stubborn. It's actually, which I hope we get into as well as when we're talking about parenting and yeah. how recognizing the gifts in our children, sometimes the gifts that can really frustrate us. Mm -hmm. Like that's a really, but actually it's a really strong character point in our children and, 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 and imagining what that will look like in the best of itself. Exactly. Um, you know, exactly. so your stubbornness turns into this incredible. Yes. I mean, if I yeah. were, if I were to say, when I look at my kids, I think now it's come out, they, they're, 
sense of justice, their sense mm. of justice and what's right and what should be. That was frustrating as a parent, yeah. you know, yeah, 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 yeah. that's not fair. And, but now when I look at it, it's such a great strength to have, especially in the yeah. times they live in and for their yeah. generation and the things they're experiencing. So, so Eileen, that's and that's, and that's an amazing, but that's an amazing thing. Sorry, I'm going to jump on that because Ooh. that is quite a thing with the, with the justice thing as well, because they, I, I mean, like I said, I've known your kids all their lives and they, um, they are not afraid to be vocal. No. Which I think that is such a phenomenal thing in a world where they're one, they are a minority because they live as black um, bodies in the UK mm-hmm. um, and they're young. And so, but they're not afraid to be vocal. And fortunately, uh, most of what they're vocal about, I, I think is really, really wise. <laughs> they're not, yeah. they're not, vo- you know, they're not vocal about stuff that doesn't matter. They're vocal about real, real things, which is exciting to hear and watch. And it's very it admirable. Is. It is. I'm mm-hmm. very proud of them. I'm really proud of them. Yeah. Okay, Aline. Okay, so yeah, you. so we had we have a diff- we have very different experiences because I became a mum later in life. So mm. I now have a nine year old. I am the mother of one. I have a nine year old who I think is fantastic, and I um, think she's fantastic as well. She's great, right? Great Sorry kid, to jump in, kid. but I'm I'm a Thanks. godmother. Yes, you are. You're a godmother. <laughs> uh, great godmother. Um, so I am. I am from a very diverse, multiracial and cultural background. Um, I've lived on three continents in seven countries. So very much like you, I like to think of myself as a global citizen. Um, and I find that that background, my experience, has given me the ability to cross the cultural divide and make information relevant to most audiences, which I, I love to do. I love to see that cultural um those are aha moments in cultural contexts um, and, and see um, how our, our diversity of difference can complement as well as um, what we what we can learn from each other, what we can what we find out, um, why we do the things we do because of cultural you know, influence and stuff. So I, love I mean, that. yes, I, I think yeah. it's, it's, it's only occurring to me now the fact that from a very early age, because you are biracial. The fact that you, as a child of people from two completely different cultures, had to navigate as a child, early, very early on, communicating with two people, strong personalities oh, from two Lord. different cultures, must be what gives you that ability to communicate across so many different cultures. Do you know that? Maybe, maybe that is it. I think that, I mean, like you said, you know, you're looking back, when my, my white mother married my African father, um, she traveled to Africa by boat. Okay. <laughs> in, in context, <laughs> you know, they sent telegrams in those days. Like they didn't have, you know, these were the phone, phone calls where they had to go through the switchboard kind of phone mm-hmm. calls. You didn't make international phone calls. There was no internet access to, you know, so this is, this is the world, which I think, you know, very admirable of my parents, terrifying. Mm. My mother left. She was in Australia at the time. Um, she left Australia coming to Africa, not knowing if she'd ever see her family again. Um, and so, yeah, so I grew up. So that says a lot about her personality. She, she's not shy and retiring. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then my dad as well was a very, very strong personality. So I did grow up in this, in a household with two completely different cultures that hadn't really influenced each other. My mother herself is from a mix of cultures. So she's, my grandfather was Dutch. My grandmother's Danish, English, um, in Argentina, they, they moved to Argentina. Um, so that, uh, and then my, my mom, my grandfather was a diplomat in Australia. So my, my parents met in Australia when my, mm-hmm. my father was doing his, his, I think his undergrad or his master's. I'm not too sure, but something they were, yeah, his undergrad in Australia. And so there's a lot of cultural stuff going on there, but those two cultures are completely, there's nothing in common between my, 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 my parents culturally zero nothing Mm -hmm. and there wasn't the exposure that we have now so we can you know like now you can know about cultures much more easily you can learn there was none of that so it's all so then you've got the all these cultures coming into my family Mm -hmm. um and so i like to say i'm I'm a third culture kid before that term was sexy Mm. um when when it was happening on the boats when it was happening on the boats (laughs) (laughs) um you know so so you know you know being raised we've got two cultures raising a third culture i grew up in uh, in malawi and so i was a bit of an anomaly in the culture because i wasn't an expat but i wasn't a malawian quote unquote i was just this so it was trying to figure out where i fit at all times um and who i was and i think you know, I, I always identified as myself as a Malawian, but I wasn't necessarily embraced fully as a Malawian. Um, and then and then I went on and I got married. Um, maybe that's why it took me so long to get married, because th- this is just too confusing to do all these cultures. <laughs> but, you know, that's another story. But I went on and I got married much later um, than you did, and I married a man who which is interesting because he's from Ethiopian by origin, grew up in Germany. So again, completely different cultures. And we brought this child into the world who is now, I don't know, a seventh culture kid or something because <laughs> she's got all these cultures going on. But the, but the lovely <laughs> thing is, uh-huh, go ahead and say it. I think I know what the you're going to say. The lovely thing is we actually look alike now. You all right? look alike. <laughs> we all, all look alike, alike which, is, which is really funny. It's like we all, we all have the same skin tone. We all have the curly hair. We all, so it's, it's really funny because I grew up in a house where we didn't look alike. I mean, my siblings and I looked alike, but my parents, you know, we, I, 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 there are many times when people, I'd be like, this is my mom or this is my dad. And people would be like, what? You know, Ooh, real confusion. Yes. So that, so that is, um, yeah, so that's the funny side. But um, with that, so my life, I think the reason I love a lot of the work I do is because it is my life. Mm-hmm. My life is, you know, um, just a hodgepodge of all sorts of stuff. And what is the work you um, do, Eileen? So, well, I do a mix of things. I, I do coaching and facilitate. I love facilitating. I love facilitating conversation. I love facilitating challenging conversation, particularly around cultural stuff. Um, I love watching people grow with the coaching. You know, like you said, if you stop growing, then you're finished, right? That yeah. that idea of how do we grow as human beings to be the best version of ourselves. And I like to facilitate that conversation individually or within a team dynamic, be it corporate or a charity or anything else. But yeah, so I like to, you know, that that whole conversation um, 
for me is what I do in work. Um, I love to talk. The funny thing is my, my daughter, my husband also like loves to talk. I'll just put that out there as you know. Um, and since my daughter was in nursery, the mm-hmm. feedback we got from every teacher she ever had was she's a fantastic student. She's great in class. Fantastic. But she, she really does talk a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, well, I can't help you because. (laughs) Yes. It's in her genes. It's It's in in her her genes. genes. I mean, you should, you know, it's in her genes. And, and I'm always really careful because there's, there's a, um, when I was growing up, I had a, um, family friend who wore a hearing aid and he said to me that well firstly he paid me to be quiet um, <laughs> for an hour <laughs> and okay. all right yeah all right and he so said many to me, questions he, yeah, yeah mm-hmm. he said to me so many questions and he did say to me he said I mean if I had liberty I'd have to take my hearing aids out so I I so Lovely. when my <laughs> When my um, daughter, when I'm told my daughter talks a lot, I'm like, yeah, Ooh. can't can't really stop that. But I think for me, that talking has um, the combination of loving to talk and loving to help people grow and loving multiculturalism. All of those things contribute yeah. to what I do. I, I, I think that you have a, I really do think that you've got a, a special skill there because I think what you, so I love to listen. Um, and <laughs> I, so the two of us make a perfect, just an absolute perfect pairing. Uh, but I think that one of the things that you, you do really, really well is you're able to make sense of um, thoughts and you're able to then communicate them back. So I remember being one of your coaching when you were in the in your early days as a coach. Yeah, when I was training, I was, you were you when you, you were training. Yeah, I was training. Yeah, I I was one of your guinea pigs and um, test patients, and you just were really great at being able to take my thoughts, such as they were, mash them up, and then present them perfectly gift wrapped. For oh, me to say, to admire and say, yes, that's that's what I meant. That's exactly. And then be able to take that. That's very forward. kind of you. So, mm. Thanks for exactly. saying that. I mean, we'll talk about, I think one of the things that I've struggled with, which I think will probably, it's good to have a conversation around this, is imposter syndrome. Is, you know, is actually saying, well, how have I, do I have the right to take up space in the world? And I think that is a really important um, conversation because I think I'm, I, I'm, I know for a fact because I'm a coach. I am not the only person who's dealt with this. Um, and, but but that's yeah. So that's all part of it. And I think one of the other things that I do want to talk about because it is a difficult conversation is I want us to be really honest about what it is to be African women who look different. Mm-hmm. You know, um, what what is it to be African women who are dark skinned, African women who are light skinned? What is it to be a, a black African and a biracial African? Let's mm-hmm. let's not gloss over things. Let's call things what they are. Let's talk about colorism, which I am very passionate about because I have been the benefactor of lighter skin on, on the African continent. And if anybody tells me colorism doesn't exist, 
I, as a light-skinned black woman, can tell you it does. And so I get very passionate mm -hmm. and I get really angry, actually, when I hear light-skinned black women deny it. Yes, exactly. I mean, you and I have been out socializing in London mm -hmm. or in maybe not so much in Malawi. We were a bit younger then, but I've been out socializing with you and I have been able to get a f almost first, first hand experience of how you move and how you, how the world receives you, especially in, in black spaces. So I'm really looking forward to having those, those yeah, conversations. Yeah. And, you know, I remember having this conversation with your sister many years ago and I hadn't um, so we had gone into a shop and this is us in Africa living in Africa and we had gone into a shop and she wanted to buy something and the the shopkeeper was uh, would only talk to me this is on, on the African continent this is in Malawi and I I didn't remember she reminded me of this because I had forgotten but I got really angry and I basically said to him am I buying from you can you please talk to the your, your customer, you know, yeah. um, and it, it's a really mind-boggling thing to me, um, especially as, as as a the daughter of a black man. Like mm -hmm. my father was a black man; he was a powerful, beautiful, wonderful, smart, majestic black man. That I would um, try and distance myself because of the tone of my skin from blackness. That is a marvel to me. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and I see this happen in, in, in communities and I see colorism around that and not, and, and for, for, for someone like me not to stand up and say, Hey, hold on. This is, this is, this exists. This, you know, with, within our own communities, it's not just about white folk. It's within our own communities, what we're doing to yeah. ourselves, how mm -hmm. we've internalized um, racism um, and, and what it's doing yeah. to ourselves. So that is a conversation. And, and I can go on and on about that. I won't now, yeah. but I think it's an important conversation. Mm. But I also want to point out, because it is you and me, this conversation. Yes. But we have a third facilitator, a third host. We do. We do have a third host, honorary member of the Sofali Podcast member. family. Who, who, will, who will occasionally make appearances. Today, mm -hmm. he, he is very quiet. Um, is he? But I, I, he is. He is asleep. So this He's third otherwise, okay, otherwise <laughs> occupied. Otherwise occupied. This third <laughs> host of Sofali Podcast is none other than my golden retriever, Sherlock. And I, he is very loud. He is um, very obtrusive and rather codependent, to be honest. Rather codependent. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think there is anybody who has ever lived who has been as happy to be in my company as my dog. And and that's why you keep him. That's why you. That's keep why him. I keep him. I, that's why I keep him. My husband does not feel for him the way I do. <laughs> um, <laughs> He really does not. But I, I have said to him that when he greets me with as much enthusiasm as the dog does, I'll get rid of the dog. So I can guarantee the dog is with us forever. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. That's fair. So, um, yeah. So, uh, dear listener, if you do hear the dog, just embrace him. Welcome him in. Sherlock is his name and he's very cute. We will put a photo of him on the podcast, on the website, won't we? Yes, we will. Yes, yes we will. absolutely. Yes, we will. 
Right. So, so Eileen, that's, uh, that's us. That is uh, us. I am really looking forward to all the conversations we're going to be having and sharing them. And we're inviting everybody listening to get involved in this conversation. These yeah, are conversations do. between us and our community. And mm-hmm. if there are topics you think that we should be covering, if there's things we've said that have um, inspired you to, to come back, things you agree with or not, we want to hear all of it. This is a very open and welcoming forum. And we're just looking forward to bringing you more and more of the conversations that stimulate, yeah. inspire and challenge you. Absolutely. And also, if there are people that you think should be on as our guests, um, people who are doing incredible things, African women around the world, please do let us know. Um, we want to expand um who exposure for people as well as much as we can um so yeah just like daphne said get involved um we really appreciate you listening to us we hope you enjoy it thank you until next time bye Special thanks to Ayozie Apolodine for our artwork and Crack the Window for our theme music. This episode was edited by Marcus Root. Our website is soulfullypodcast.com. Check it out for show notes and links. Please subscribe to our podcast on most podcast platforms and watch us on YouTube. Thank you for listening. And until next time, we're soulfully yours.